episode of Fish Bites here on the Fish Stripes podcast channel. Eli Sussman here. As usual, I am going to get you listeners caught up on the latest Marlins-related developments, uh, followed up by the Maiden Voyage, a brand new uh, experiment that we're trying called the Marlins Dream Draft. Should be a fun exercise for anybody that studies up on the organization's young talent. So much more details on that coming up later in the show. Joining me on this pod, it's the entire Fish Army. From the award-winning Fish Army 305 Twitter account, a returning guest to Fish Bites. First up, Jacob Carrion. How's it going? I'm good, Eli. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. We had Jacob on last August. That was with Danny Martinez hosting, and I interact with these guys pretty much every single day on Twitter. On the pod for the first time, along with Jacob, it is Shane Sutton. Hey, Shane. How's it going, sir? It's going excellent, right? So close, so close to the start of the season, like nine days away as we're recording this, and even closer once everybody gets a chance to listen to it. Uh, Sandy Alcantara just named the opening day starter, and the rest of the roster coming to the focus pretty soon, flying up to Atlanta for the exhibition games. We're getting really close. Um, just some backgrounds, I guess, for the listeners, for people that didn't listen to Jacob last year, uh, I guess for some people that aren't on Twitter obsessively like like we are, um, can, you tell, can you tell folks a little bit about the account, uh, how you, why you decided to combine yourselves into a single uh, account covering the Marlins, what your mission statement is, what your values are for that account, uh, what, what, what do you try to bring into the world with Fish Army 305? Wow, that's one question, huh, That's Shane? a big question, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, well, I guess our, our mission statement? I, um, you know, me and Shane, uh, we, we've been f- friends uh, s- since the end of high school. Like uh, That's when we became friends. We um, had actually played against each other one, uh, once or twice when we were uh, playing, you know, in rec- long rec- before we knew our each team. Other. Yeah, long before we knew each other. And I actually found, like, I had posted it before, like, pic- a picture of him and I playing against each other. He was ca- I was catching. He was hitting. And it was just, it was just a cool coincidence. And it's, I guess, why we joined forces i guess it was i guess it was just shane's idea he just kind of like was, um out of nowhere we didn't we honestly never thought it was going to get to the exact point that we are at right now where we're constantly putting out content even if it's silly little tweets every single day it yeah. started as just fun, fun just like a, us to engage ourselves within the fan base and it got a lot more fun than we intended i guess yeah but i don't know if we have the point we're predicting you know like at least for me now. Yeah, I don't know if we have necessarily like a mission statement, but it's if there is one, it's it's just to engage ourselves in the fan base, and I'm pretty sure you can attest to the fact that that's exactly what we do on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> then I think anybody more so than absolutely anybody. It's incredible. Oh, I appreciate it. Every time I wake up in the morning, there's stuff I miss from you guys, and when I go to sleep too early, there's stuff that goes on after dark. It's it's pretty incredible. <laughs> And uh, like I, I kind of made up the award on the spot, but I considered you that account the uh, the Marlins 
Twitter account Rookie of the Year for 2019. Oh, oh, first year, then you had it going. And uh, yeah, you, you brought a, a lot of entertainment value into our lives and, and some good opinions too. That's why we have you on here too, because <laughs> your, your knowledge of the organization is pretty thorough and uh, I enjoy some of your takes. And that's why we're going to combine that into this Marlins Dream Draft. But before we get into that, there was some pretty – uh, recent news, not officially official yet, but the Atlanta Braves are on the verge of signing Yasiel Puig uh, on fish stripes and uh, across most of Marlins. I think there was a lot of enthusiasm for the Marlins hopefully signing Puig like during the middle of the offseason. There were those rumors right around Christmas time, and they made a real offer to him, ultimately spent that money on Corey Dickerson instead. And I mean, we, re- we reached a point right here where the fit wasn't there anymore, but I think there were plenty of people that were hoping he would be with the Marlins and, and certainly aren't thrilled to see that he's with a division rival. Um, uh, but for either of you, uh, one thing that is uh, unusual about your account is how engaged you are with other rival fan bases as well. You seem to put a lot of, of time and attention into uh, into clowning them and having good-spirited discussions with them, but locked in more so than than I am. How do you see Braves fans reacting to that news of Puig signing at this late stage of the preseason? Well, um, it seems like there's Braves, – Braves fans are very large in numbers. I think we, we all – anybody who's spent five minutes on Twitter knows that they win every single poll, even when it just doesn't make sense. They're, they're a fun group to interact with. Most of them are good, are good guys and gals. Like, they know the game. They, they are – you know, every fan base has their bad apples. but you know, since uh, the Braves have a bigger number of fans, a lot, a lot they have tend to have more bad apples, and it seems like a good chunk of them are happy about the deal. You know, um, they, an outfield of Acuna, Puig, and and Ozuna. Um, that's an exciting outfield. You know, a lot of energy, a lot of um, enthusiasm, talented. You know, doesn't even need to be said. Talented group of guys. So it seems like most of them are happy about it, and then the other half, that you know, the old respect the game crowd doesn't seem to, who don't seem to appreciate Puig's antics, I guess you could say, and they don't seem to be too happy about the signing. So it seems even split. Um, as a Marlins fan, yeah, like you said, Eli, a lot of us were excited yeah. to, to you Particularly know, us for too, Puig to sure. get to, yeah, for Puig to get come here, you know, he's an exciting player. So yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I'm just happy that he signed with a team at all. Yeah, I, I think that's the most important thing, that he didn't miss out on a season. And I don't know, we'll see. It's, of course, going to be a one-year deal, and we'll see what he looks like this year, and maybe the Marlins can reassess during the offseason. But, I mean, it right. seems like this would have been the exact time that he would come to right. Miami because they had they had that little separation, you know, before this next wave of outfield prospects come up. He seems like he'd be that really perfect fit on like a pillow contract, just come in for one year, reestablish himself. Everybody goes crazy. But uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, well, we'll see. He's going to. At least he's in the NL East. We get to have some fun with him, even if he's not in a Marlins uniform. Yeah. And and Ozuna too. He gets to come back uh, to the same division. So I I love watching Ozuna play. So getting to see him play um, against the Marlins 10 times this year, that'll be fun. Absolutely. We're going to transition from there into this great idea that I came up with kind of randomly over the weekends and that I'm still trying to fine tune. But this is going to be our first attempt at doing what 
we'll call a Marlins dream draft. It's taking stock of, I guess at this moment, there's still a couple hundred players in the Marlins organization. Everybody from those vets that are hanging on by a little thread to some of the teenagers that they just drafted or signed internationally. And we're going to pick the ones that we want to keep most of all. It's, it's tough to choose favorites to prioritize these things. And, uh, but it's a good problem to have with this organization right now because they have so much depth at most of these positions, guys that uh, not just with their talent and their potential, but you really like what they bring off the field and how they can represent the franchise in a positive way. So I came up with this idea to choose the guys that you really want to stick with. Imagining for the next 10 years, you have these guys forming a single lineup for you. And I think it's more intriguing when you go head to head with other people making some tough decisions. I think really the best case scenario in this situation is that I steal some guys that you guys really love and vice versa, picking some of the players that, that I really uh, believe in moving forward, but don't get the chance to get because we're going to go alternating back and forth um, with you two teaming up Jacob and Shane, a fish army team versus a fish stripes team drafting back and forth. And we're going to go 12 rounds deep. We're going to pick one player to be a catcher, a first baseman, a second baseman, a shortstop, a third baseman, three outfielders, a DH, a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, and then one wild card that could be at any position. So we'll go 12 rounds deep and 24 total picks. And a lot of things to take into consideration here, probably some things that I haven't even thought of yet, but we're picking up players for the next 10 years. So age is going to be a pretty big factor here. You know, if you trust Brandon Kinsler to be a great closer at age 45, even though he's 35 right now, you think he's going to age gracefully, then maybe you take a swing, but probably not. At the same time, you see some of these new draft picks. They haven't played in any real games yet. You, you might not expect anything from them in the majors in 2020 or 2021, but all of a sudden, if they hit it up in the near future, then all of a sudden, that's a guy that you really want to build a franchise around. Because you guys are uh, the guests here, you, you're going to get the first overall pick. And you're in different okay. locations, so this whole process could be a little bit awkward that uh, you have to liberate uh, right here over the call, or I guess you can message each other privately to, to strategize as best you can. But um, with the first overall pick, if you're going to pick anybody in this Marlins organization right now to lead off our dream draft, uh, who's it going to be? Oh, uh, I wish we had prepared in hindsight. <laughs> for no, no, it's going to be, we got it, Shane. Um, I mean, Shane, you said yourself, your favorite prospect. Or, it's got to be Jazz. Jazz right? It's got to be we, Jazz at short. Yeah, I know Craig Mish says Lewin Diaz is the best Marlins prospect. And damn, if Craig says it, it's true. But like, I don't know, something about Jazz, you know, he's he's got the sauce. So I think we're going to take him. The first overall pick in the first ever Marlins Dream Draft. Shortstop, Jazz Chisholm. All right. Now that I'm here, I, I really can see it coming. And I'm telling you, it's, Marlins are going to win a championship in two or three years. Well, I mean, for me, this is pretty easy. And I'm not even going to go the same direction as you guys. I value Major League production quite a bit. And we have one guy who's been great at the Major League level each of the last two years for the Marlins. It's Brian Anderson, who even entering this year 
he's uh, he's looking even more prepared this year than he has been the previous two. And he's played a lot of right fields the last two years, but his natural position is third base. He's an exceptional defender at that position. And we know the potential he, he showed, especially right before his injury last year, like how hot he could get with the bat. And uh, especially with the fences coming in at Marlins Park in center field and in right center, I think he's going to have more over the fence power going in that direction. He's going to be a really consistent hitter for a long time. Just turned 27 years old. So he's going to be entering his peak pretty soon. And I think he's going to stay at that level for a long time. So number two overall pick, my first rounder, it's going to be Brian Anderson. And we'll hand it back to you. Struggled last time out. There you go. Past Machado and down the line. Yachty around third. Brian Anderson is the hero today. The Marlins with a walk-off win. Great you back, actually cannot go wrong with that pick at all. No, BA, Shane has a BA jersey, so he, he knows how, like, we know how good he is. He's going to very underrated in the baseball world. Hopefully that changes suit soon. So, man, I, I know our catching depth in the organization is pretty thin. You know, you have Will Banfield, who's great defensively, but there's a lot of questions about his bat, whether it can perform in the upper levels of the minors and in the big leagues at all. Um, in reality, that I wouldn't be surprised if they go after somebody in free agency, if especially if uh, a certain uh, f- former Philly doesn't pan out. But I guess for our pick right <laughs> now, I, I mean, well, I, who else could we go for except you know Jorge Alfaro? You know, he is, you know, he's a young catch, catcher. I think he's twenty five or just turned twenty six. I'm not sh- totally sure. You know, big big catcher, over two hundred pounds. Um, second in uh, um, what is it uh, Velo to second base I think he's j- like just under 88 miles per hour on the throw to second right behind JT Real Muto who's number one a um, lot of tools at the plate good swing very excited to see how he progresses this year with the addition of James R- uh, Rousen coming from the Twins um, so yeah I just gotta go with, with uh, Faro here yeah Rousen actually had a pretty encouraging update about him today. He spoke to the media and touched on, you know, a lot of different players and how they're progressing in camp. And yeah, there's really never any doubt about what Alfaro does when he makes impact with the ball. I think last year he hit each of the three longest home runs that anybody on the team hit. He's just got to have that discipline at the plate. I mean, yes. it's, it's pretty, it, it gets ugly at times, but um, that's, that's something that can be fixed and uh, you're pretty hopeful about it. And I understand why? And this is where the strategy comes in, because now that he is off the board, I mean, I could wait a while before going for a catcher. You know, I know that we could go pretty far down here and uh, I could shift my attention to other positions. I, I, I think, yeah, this might not be a super popular pick because when we, when we started recording, right before we started recording, I mentioned that people's opinions uh, shift very rapidly. They get um. Right. <laughs> people overreact to a lot of small things. And one guy that we haven't seen very much of at all uh, for the Marlins over almost a full year now is Sixto Sanchez. So he was yeah, in major league that. camp, <laughs> didn't pitch any, any games, uh, rumblings about his conditioning and all that. Some concerns, of course, about his durability that he had before the trade. But all that being said, he's been, in my eyes, the best prospect the organization ever since they got him in a trade for real mutual. Mm-hmm year and a half ago he, he seems healthy now he's in good spirits 
he's just exceptionally well-rounded as a pitcher. I don't, but there's there's no no real holes in his pitching game. Uh, the command that he has is exceptional. His fastball and his changeup in particular are plus plus. And when he's using his breaking ball to go along with that, he's a guy that's so efficient. He's going to stick as a starter. He's going to be in the big leagues very soon. Probably not on opening day, um, but hopefully at some point in 2020. And if not, shortly after that. And uh, I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, a super duper star. I'm not necessarily that much on board, but I feel so comfortable about his floor and being a big part of this rotation for a long, long time. Uh, not even 22 years old yet. He's not even had his 22nd birthday, and he's going to be my second-round pick and my starting pitcher. Called strike three. Fastball or inside corner. I actually may have been the changeup 90 miles per hour on the inside part of the plate. Larnick strikes out looking. Now there's one away. Nice. Something I, I really liked about I like about Sixto is he pounds the zone. Um, something I had – Talked about it recently on the on the account. Um, I love uh, Sandy Alcantara. He's he's got good stuff too. But something he struggles with is getting ahead in the count and just you know staying in the zone. Whenever he gets uh, rattled, or razzled, or he gets into trouble, he'll he'll um, yeah. he'll lose his aggressiveness in the zone, and that's where he gets into trouble. And that's and for Sixto's case, that's it's just not the case. You know. He, uh, we've been we've been chatting behind the scenes. We we figured it'd be more, you know, useful for us for the sake of getting the better the better roster. Uh, we're going with Edward Cabrera. Yeah, it's just like you know, Sixto. He's probably like you said. He's probably the best prospect in the organization. But it seems like uh, from guys like Craig Mitch, and I think you've tweeted before. It seems like most people in the organization seem to be as high, or if not even higher, on Edward Cabrera. And it's I've the few I haven't seen him pitch in person, but what I have been able to watch, you know, on on just on online, he's he's got good stuff. He he pounds he pounds his own, throws hard. Got good uh, has a good um, secondary pitches, and he, I think same thing. He's, I think he's going to be a good big league pitcher for a long time. And I mean, he's one of the rare guys that was inherited from the old ownership. That's the thing is we Absolutely. look at this team and we see almost everybody has turned over uh, over the last couple of years during the rebuild. And he's a guy that was signed out of the DR back in like 2015. And there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about initially his first couple of years and in the minor league baseball. And then of course, last year, he just took a huge leap forward with Jupiter and then he kept it up when he got promoted to Jacksonville. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns out to be a better pitcher in the major leagues. I mean, obviously, I believe a little bit more in Sixto, but it's, yeah. it's hard to go wrong. It's hard to go wrong. And uh, so that's going to be the, your third round pick, number five overall. It's back to me for number six. And this is where I'll go with Lewin Diaz, the guy who whose stock has erupted ever since he got traded to the Marlins in the Sergio Romo trade last year. He's... um. He's incredible. He's incredible, and it's hard to get too excited about a first base only prospect. But he's he's everything you want in a first baseman. He's ex- extremely smooth defensively, and he has power to all fields. He didn't really show it a whole lot playing in the twin system in 2018. His stock was really far down. 
He was a guy that was unprotected in the Rule 5 draft uh, back in the winter of 2018. Any team could have picked him and put him straight on the major league roster, and nobody did because he was that, you know, he was that inconsistent in that season. He made a new commitment to working out, and, you know, the results followed up all throughout 2019. One of the best power hitters in minor league baseball. He went to the Dominican Winter League. He won Rookie of the Year in the Dominican Winter League. He went to spring training with the Marlins and he mashed a couple dingers with the Marlins in spring training. And now he's at summer camp and he's hitting homers off of more major league pitchers. The 1 0. And high in the air, pretty deep to center. Lead the center fielder on the run. On the warning track, looks up, it's gone! Lewin Diaz, a homer in a straightaway center. And Jacksonville leads 1 0 in the fourth. You've seen the comps, of course, to Carlos Delgado. That's been the most popular one. Um, I I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction again, but I definitely see similarities to um, perhaps a left-handed version of Derek Lee, who was, of course, in the Marlins organization and then went on to to the Cubs, Um, especially the build that he has. And it's the defense also, because that's the thing that – you really shouldn't co- totally overlook that. People will will note some things about how first base isn't all that important, and um, there there are so many things you can do uh, to make life easier on your teammates at that position, and he he does them. So um, I'm thrilled with him. Uh, I think there's a pretty decent chance we see him in the majors this year, and once he gets there, he's going to stick around a while. So he is my pick, my third rounder, and obviously my first baseman. I love Lewin. He's going to be good too. I totally, mm-hmm. I think it's a good pick. Um, I can't, I still can't believe that we were able to flip Sergio Romo at the deadline for him, along with Chris um, Valamont, who, you know, he's another good pitching prospect, but it just goes to show the pitching depth that the organization has had since Jeter came in. And now we're able to use the, the influx of pitchers, you know, to make deals to fill up any holes that we have. Same thing happened with, um, Jazz Chisholm for the Zach Gallant trade, and I just and also another power hitting lefty first baseman that the Twins let go. You know, like like uh, David Ortiz. Maybe hopefully he has the same success in October for us, like Big Poppy had in Boston. Yeah, but, yeah, that'd, that'd be a decent outcome if he's one of the best power hitters. Yeah, in for real, <laughs> for real. He's if he just be, um, be great if he just turned into one of the greatest power hitters ever. Yeah. Um. So next pick. We're going Vandy. We're going Vandy boys. I gotta go JJ Blade. You know, he won a college world won the college world series with Vanderbilt in his senior year. Drafted uh, fourth overall in 2019, and I saw this dude hitting Jupiter, and he, he looks big. He almost looks big league ready then, and he probably even and add any extra work he did in the offseason. He's he, he's a, he's a guy that will probably get to the big leagues. I would assume by next year about two years from now the latest you know he's just gonna be i think he's gonna he's gonna uh he's his bat is second to none he's he's gonna sorry i'm rambling i just i think i like i think he's anything you want to add hit the shit out of the ball i think that's where you're leading (laughs) with that (laughs) yeah he was he was number one on my outfield list for this. So yeah, you definitely uh, right around. I don't know if I was going to get him with my next pick. I was, it was close. He was, he was uh, <laughs> coming up on my queue. 
So that was, yeah, that was a good pick, good strategic pick, and makes all the sense in the world. He's, yeah, he, he's amazing. He's amazing. And uh, there's not much really to say about him. It's just like, <laughs> like I was trying to find something interesting or new to say about JJ, but there's nothing new to be said. It's, it's all, it's all, it's all out there. He's going to be a big, a good big leaguer, hopefully. Just to, as a testament to how advanced he is as a hitter and as a player in general, it's just that um, after he was drafted in 2019, just like a couple of months later, he was already in the high A Jupiter, you know, and, and you know, not a lot of players skip the, the you know, low um, rookie ball and low and low A, and he was able to make that jump. He didn't dazzle anybody, but he didn't, uh, he didn't, he was no scrub either. He was able to keep his own for his first couple months in pro ball. I was really excited to see how he progressed this year with a full uh, professional season, whether it was at Jupiter or Jacksonville. So that's the, another bummer about this whole everything going on right now in, in 2020. So definitely going to ex- be excited to see him play actual games in 2021. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. Well, you kind of undersold him a little bit right there because his that decision to put him straight into high A, I couldn't find anybody in the Marlins organization that has ever done that. That type to play your first professional game at high A, only a couple levels below the big leagues. That, that's something that they yeah. haven't done with any other prospect, and just yeah, shows the confidence they have in him, right? And how much they believe that his college career prepared him to succeed in the pros. And yeah, we're gonna find out pretty soon with him. So I'm going to take a very interesting curve right here, something that, um, again, prioritizing major league production over the prospect pedigree. Uh, a new addition to the Marlins organization, Jonathan VR. VR, who last year was the best player on the Orioles. Um, great power, uh, 40 stolen bases, and in his career, he's been one of the most like valuable base runners in all of baseball the last handful of years. He's probably going to be a Marlin for only one year in real life, but that's why what we're doing right here is uh, this is the dream. This is the dream, and we're going to lock yeah. him up for the rest of his <laughs> his like relevant years in the major major leagues. He's um what twenty eight, twenty nine years old. I think he just turned twenty nine. Um, so he might be right now as good as he's ever going to be, but right now he is really versatile. He is that great base runner. And he's coming off a year where he hit 24 homers. Uh, what exactly that looks like in Marlins Park, we're going to have to find out. But as a switch hitter and as someone that has this nice track record in the major leagues, not just in 2019, but before that, a handful of years in Milwaukee, that he was a really valuable player and someone that uh, I just like the fit. I like the versatility. And uh, if worse comes to worse, going into the future with a designated hitter in the National League, if he really falls off in that department, then at least you still get his bat and his legs in the lineup, even if you don't know exactly what to do with his glove. I'm going to draft him as a second baseman. So that's where okay. – uh, because we're going to assign a position to each one of these players uh, to make sure that we uh, yeah, we address – we 
address every single position along the way. And where are we are now through four rounds of the draft. Just to recap where we are, you guys, Fish Army has drafted shortstop Jess Chisholm, catcher Jorge Alfaro, starting pitcher Edward Cabrera, and outfielder J.J. Bleday. I have third baseman Brian Anderson, starting pitcher Sixto Sanchez, first baseman Lewin Diaz, and now second baseman Jonathan VR. And we head into round five. All right. Uh, Shane, I think take it from here, man. Yep. We're going to go with Monte Harrison for our yeah, next Monte. Uh, I know we're, we're going pretty prospect heavy in this one. I know you, you say you value the MLB talent, but it's just hard not, it's hard to not get, not, be not excited. get so excited <laughs> it, about Monte. Yeah. It's just, I know we, uh, all we've had so far this year has been spring training and the inter-squad games and summer camp, but I don't know. It's just I don't see a world where he's not on the opening day roster in two thousand in two thousand. You know, in this year and whenever the season starts, you know, he brings a lot of excitement, a lot of speed to the game. You know, um, his bat has just improved since he got to the organization, especially in the last year. Made some mechanical adjustments, like uh, he took out that big leg kick he came in with. Um, he seems like a seems like he's striking out less. Um, he's just making more solid contact all around. 3-1 pitch, fly ball, well hit right field. Hepball's got some carry. Hepball's gonna get out. Hepball's a home run from Monty Harrison, and we are tied at three. Little opposite field power there by Harrison. His and and just like with Alfaro, with the addition of James Rousen, um, I'm excited to see uh, how those two. Uh, help his swing like Monte has a lot of tools a lot of talent um, I know a lot of people are a little uh, skeptical on anybody in that Christian Yelich trade after green. yeah with, with after, I'm sure people are skeptical but it's with after what's happened with with Lewis and people seem to have given up on him I know we make oh, we make jokes a lot but I we wish nothing but success for him you know it's just having good fun with him and also people and also Hassan's gone off to a slow start but um I don't know. It's just, I hope he's, I hope Monte's different. I hope he's able to, uh, I hope they're all able to pull together and have good big league careers, but I'm just really excited about Monte. Yeah. He looks like he has something to prove, especially like Jacob said, to add to that coming off of the, uh, being one of the peanuts, peanuts traded for Yelich. And, uh, I, uh, amongst the four, I feel he's certainly one of the ones that has, something that I look forward to seeing in the future for sure. And to me, I just think the key for them, and it's hard to get inside anybody's head, but it's so important to distance themselves from the trade and not try to think about yourselves as justifying the trade and feel like you have to redeem it for anybody because that's, yeah, that's just not the way to go about it. You can't control what Yelich is doing over there and Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of brilliance that he showed. And it's not, you can't take any responsibility for it. It's not their fault that they were connected to him, that they were part of that deal. It's uh, it's out of their control. And I think the more that you're able to distance yourself from that and just focus on what you can do is so important. And uh, I guess what's really, well, what's encouraging, I guess, is how the fan base has embraced him and how they've been patient. You know, it has been about two and a half years since that trade. And they haven't seen him in a major league regular season game yet, but because of, 
all the coverage we've been able to see uh, throughout his journey as a prospect and now what we're seeing in summer camp and spring training, we've been able to see a lot of him and see him as a person as well because he is a really uh, well-rounded person off the field uh, aside from just lighting things up with all the tools that he has as a baseball player. And because fans are embracing him for who he is right now, I mean, hopefully that helps. But we're going to find out for real probably next week. You're right because we, uh, you know, we just put out an article on the projected – opening day roster and he's on it. I think he's going to make it, especially with some of the other setbacks they've had in the outfield right now, there's going to be playing time available from the start of the season. And they got those extra spots on the roster. So he's going to be there. He's going to be there. And I'm pretty excited about him too. And once again, I'm pretty annoyed because he was high up on my own list and he was coming up here in the draft, but instead I'll have to go to the next outfielder up for me. And this is the first outfielder I'm taking. It's Jesus Sanchez, consensus top 100 prospect in all of baseball. Someone that is a couple of years younger than Monte, not to brag, but he is he's what, he's 22 <laughs> right now. And uh, just like Monte, he's on the 40-man roster, has experience in the high minors. And after originally starting summer camp, he was training in the alternate site in Jupiter. You know, he's been with the big leaguers the last week or so of camp. It, it shows you how seriously they think of him as a player, maybe not on opening day, but he's going to come up in the very near future. And he's been highly regarded prospect like his entire professional career. He was signed of course by Tampa Bay originally got traded over last summer. And with him, the results really don't wow you the results that he's had in minor league games, not the kind of big numbers you're expecting. Um, And I mean, the really the one major hangup is for someone that has so much raw power, he hasn't shown it all that much in games themselves. But I mean, when, when you see the way that this guy is doing in batting practice, uh, the kind of reviews that he gets from all the coaches that he works with and his teammates, you know, that talent is in there and you know, he's in a good spot developmentally with the Marlins where if they did have any concerns about any part of his game that you expect him to improve, whether it's the same coaches that, we think have helped uh, some of these other prospects over the last couple of years. He's got all the resources he needs to really harness his game and put it all together. Uh, I predict that just a couple of months from now, by the time we get to the end of this shortened 2020 season, we're going to see him in the majors. And uh, I think the opinion on him from the fan base is going to flip a lot. And this is going to look like an amazing value for me. Once we fast forward a couple of months and get to actually see him in major league games. So he's my fifth rounder number 10 overall. And uh, we're almost halfway through. We're going to start our sixth round, going back to you guys. Uh, right. man, I, hope all, I hope all these prospects pan out in real life because this is just so exciting. <laughs> um, for, the, for the next pick, um, oh God, and also thank goodness the DH is coming to the National League because that's where we're going to pick next because we're taking Gerard Encarnacion. Um, his swing, the ball just – jumps off his bat like uh, the footage from him in the Arizona Fall League and uh, I think he went yard a couple times in spring training one against Houston I think one against the Mets if I remember correctly uh, just tons of power uh, some some conversation on Twitter is that his swing is a little reminiscent of, uh, of another former Marlon Giancarlo Stanton uh, and I could see it yeah, they both have that similar short powerful swing two-handed finish not a lot of movement um yeah it's just 
he, I, I was almost tempted to take him as the wild card because, but um, since the DH is more more or less confirmed, like coming to stay, like coming to stay here in the National League, I think I think that we're going to take him as the DH. What do you think, Ben? No, I couldn't have agreed more. Uh, as far as the DH goes, that's exactly the type of guy we're looking for. Um, it's going to be weird to see like the route that management will take for the position, considering we've never seen anyone in any, obviously this is a very broad statement, but anybody in the national league uh, have to assume the position of DH, but yeah, looking ahead, that's definitely somebody that will be at the top of my list for designated hitter for sure. There is this great highlight of him from the Arizona fall league. Cause he was out there uh, this past fall where he hit a monster grand slam uh, in the championship game. And it turned out to be the game winning grand slam. And I love to play it because the sound off his bat in that clip is like nothing you ever see. It's it like, it's such a like perfect uh, microcosm of who he is as a player and why you're so excited about him. But the problem is he hits the home run against Sterling Sharp, who is now a Marlins prospect. So I always feel bad putting it out there. Because I don't want mean to like take a dig against the guy that's now part of the organization and uh, is is probably going to be part of the organization for a few years to come as a starting pitching prospect. But it's yeah, that just kind of reinforces like how special this guy could be because of the impact he's able to have in the fall league, which is a pretty high level of competition. Almost all the top prospects from around the majors in a normal year play in the fall league, and um, just the way that he's able to do that in that setting. And he backed it up in spring training. I mean, you guys saw it. Uh, he had an opposite field home run, too, against – I forget. It was one of the major league pitchers on the Mets during spring training. He's uh, – yeah, he's impressive. Uh, another guy that when you speak to people in the Marlins organization, they have pretty outrageous comparisons, including dropping Stanton's name as a guy that has the same kind of power that Encarnacion does. Uh, another one that I, I don't want to, like, put – too, too much credibility behind that comparison between Gerard and Stanton. I don't think he's going to be there as an all-around player, but as a hitter alone, there's a, there's a lot of promise there. I mean, the one name that came to mind to me um, is Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo, who one year led the American League in home runs and a lot of other years was among the leaders in that category. Um, not the most graceful athlete, but someone that has incredible power and he has that huge build. And uh, even as he, he deserves a lot of credit too, just as a natural hitter himself. It's not all like it's not all or nothing with him. There's a lot of other positive ways that he impacts the game, even when he's not going deep. So I, I think he's going to be around a long time, and that's a good pick by you guys here in the sixth round. And this is where I'm going to use my wild card because I want more pitching, and I want more pitching with big upside. I'm going to take Max Meyer as my ah. wild. Card right behind Sixto Sanchez and both those guys that I really have a hard time um, drawing too much of a distinction between them. They're both, both incredible to me. And the, the one, the one hang up with Sixto in a lot of people's eyes is his height being only six foot even. And that's the same thing with Max Meyer. I mean, that's the reason why people didn't see him as a fit with the Marlins that high in the draft this year, the number three overall pick, you know, like why would you invest so much and a guy that's only six feet tall, there's just not that many starting pitchers that look like that. Why not go with Asa Lacey? Asa Lacey was the guy that checked all the boxes. And so they end up going under slot value and taking Max Meyer. And 
the more you look into him, the more convinced I am that he's going to be a top of the rotation kind of guy. Is he had the best pure stuff out of anybody in this draft class? The the fastball velo is off the charts. He was he's been tracked as high as like 102 with his fastball in some games, and someone that regularly sits in the high 90s. And of course, the slider is even more like deadly. And you put in that conversation, one of the best sliders that some scouts have ever seen. The the velocity that he gets with that pitch into the into the low 90s, but also the way that he's able to spot it exactly where you want it, low and away to right-handed hitters. And just as effective when he throws it into lefties as well. It's just a pitch that is so difficult to to coordinate as a hitter. And when he gets ahead in the count, and he always gets ahead in the count because he has really excellent commands, then he's a guy that has no hit stuff. Like every time he takes the mound, 21 years old, added to the Marlins player pool this year. Uh, another type of guy that if everything breaks right, you see him in the majors this year, most likely though in 2021. And I just had to have him. I had to have him, even though I already took my starting pitcher. I love myself some six though. I needed more and you guys let him fall to me. And uh, I'm happy with that. So we're halfway through and uh, I'm feeling pretty confident, but we go to you with your seventh round pick. Uh, I think we're going to go for our relief pitcher, uh, Alex Messia, left-hander. Uh you know, he's not somebody you you you'll hear a lot about in the on Twi- uh, on the you know Marlins fan talk about him. He's not one of the higher rated prospects, but he's um, you know according to you know any of those uh, baseball sites. But uh, I think yeah, you know he he's going to be a really good uh, bullpen, left-handed piece in the bullpen. Could be a really good closer one day. Um, and I just think yeah, I, th- I think he's good pick i think he's his game will age well so i'm gonna we're taking him i mean it's hard to complain because he hasn't allowed a run in over a year over like a calendar year yeah he had that incredible scoreless streak that is still ongoing when through jupiter when he was in jacksonville he's in the fall league when he was in spring training he's he's been unstoppable and he's a guy that is just I mean, it's one of the low-key, incredible moves that the organization has made during this entire rebuild. And you, you mentioned some of them like earlier in the pod about some some of these trades that are already looking really good for the team. But when you draft someone like him in the 17th round of the draft, and you have him already on the fast track to the majors, it's uh, I mean that never happens, and that might never happen again. We don't know if there's going to be another draft that goes 17 rounds deep. If, he, if he's coming out this year, would have been undrafted and someone that is uh yeah he's pretty great he's pretty great and doesn't exactly fit the prototype for being a lights out closer in terms of his velo um but everything else that you're looking for three pitches that he really trusts the results to match there and he's uh yeah he just keeps stepping up every time they promote him he's just more and more dominant so uh yeah that's that's a good call right there with my seventh round pick Let's see, what did I decide on here? I just had it in my mind. Still a lot of good directions to go. Ooh, yeah. So I'm going to go another one of these major league veterans that you guys are shying away from. I'm not afraid to embrace the old guys. I'm not afraid to live with their decline over the next handful of years. 
um, because this guy brings some of these intangibles that never decline, that never go away. My shortstop is going to be Miguel Rojas, someone yes. that has been with this organization for, what, about almost six years now, and he's the the honorary captain of this team, if they were to name anybody as a captain, someone that uh, not that long ago, he had fish stripes blocked on Twitter and that drove me crazy. But ever since then, <laughs> he's been so impressive. I lived with that for over a year and a half, but we have mended our relationship and he's been, he's coming off a really good year as an overall player. I mean, he ended up batting at the top of the Marlins lineup for most of 2019 and his usual excellent defense at shortstop. But you know he has that versatility to play other positions as well. I mean, for the sake of this exercise, I'm sticking with him at shortstop. He's someone that has been so smooth at that position, even though he kind of he doesn't have that amazing athleticism. He doesn't really those, – those individual tools that sometimes make someone a really electrifying defender, uh, he overcomes that with just – great instincts and a great understanding of the game and fundamentals, the kind of work that he puts in to be a a great fundamental player, it shows. And that's why he's such a great story for someone that didn't have any prospect hype whatsoever when he was coming up a handful of years ago, he's been able to overachieve by anybody's expectations and become a pretty integral part of the team. So he's going to be my captain, my seventh round pick, my shortstop. And, uh, at this moment, about 31 years old. So I'm sticking with him throughout his entire 30s that he could have some sort of positive impact in, in some way uh, throughout the next decade, even if it's you know not like an everyday player. No, right. I, I totally, totally agree. Um, I know. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, even though uh, he too has his blocks at the moment on Twitter, um, I still we still can't dismiss Mickey Rose, you know, no, leadership. I didn't know that. Yes, I don't know. He didn't. We never. I, like the last tweet I ever sent to him before he he blocked us was I I called them the like just a captain, like nothing, a positive tweet, and then he blocked me, and then I asked him to unblock us on my personal account, and then he blocked me there too, and I think the same thing happened to Shane. Yeah, it did. I, it it was really. A little bit disappointing to see that, but I'm sure there's something that he got mixed in between the lines of what we may have in, really intended or what he took it as personally. But despite that, like at the end of the day, Twitter's Twitter. It's a silly place to begin with. But yeah. if you're talking about 10 years down the line for players, even if he wasn't, if if you, he's a little over the hill, as you say, he's 31 years old. Uh, even if his abilities don't pan out, like right now he's, he's arguably the best glove on the team. Like that's not even, it's not hard yeah. to, to realize that. But um, the, the most important thing he can do for the future of our organization is welcome the young guys that we're talking about here today into what it means to be a major league baseball player. And he's, as we've all seen, fantastic at being that guy that everyone should look up to on the team and being the person that, you know, keeps everyone's heads up during the game. It's going to be, you know, the Marlins have had long seasons for the past, <laughs> who knows how, who can keep counting more how many years. And uh, he, he seems <laughs> to make those guys out there, like, 
just bring everyone together and have a lot of fun, you know, with the, with the, the, the thug life sunglasses and, and all that stuff. He's great energy for the team. And, and yeah, as even though despite his age, he's a fantastic pick for the future. Yeah. And just going for bouncing off that, not only that, it's, like you said, like the intangibles that he brings into a, into a major league clubhouse is second to none. He's really accepted that role as the captain of the team. He's take, it's obvious he's taken inspiration from, uh, from Derek Jeter. And, you know, he, he came as, as just a throw in in the D Gordon trade back in 2014. And he was nobody really get, at the time. There wasn't much of a thought of about him. People were more concerned with, uh, you know, D Gordon, right. And, rightfully so D Gordon was a great player for us but just to see how far he's come along from that you know putting in the work you know um, improving his offense keeping his his defense uh, at, at the caliber it, it is it's respectable I, I have nothing but but um respect and I admire him and I and I'm happy that he is in Miami blue for sure well, and I'll see what I can do about the Twitter thing now that I'm on his good side. Because I was in your shoes and it was frustrating. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll tr- we'll try to get it figured out. Even though you didn't draft him, even though you let him fall to me in the draft, I'll, I'll say a lot of other positive things, put in a good word for you. We're in the eighth round of this draft. Who do you, who do you guys take with that pick? Jacob, you have uh, Yes. Uh, like you said, we've been kind of shying away from Major League Talent. Uh, in the organization in this draft period, you know, uh, we've been more focused on the young guys, except for Alfaro. He's the only one that has um, any, any big league experience on this roster, but for the next guy, uh, same deal with Rojas. I think he brings in a lot of uh, intangible thing, intangibles to the, to the team and the clubhouse. And I think uh, it's a guy like Corey Dickerson, you know, he just signed a two year deal with the fish. Um, you know, he's that lefty bad in the lineup. Good corner outfielder but um he's that guy that will does that leads by example he doesn't say too much he just goes about his day you know does his work um and those are things that when you're trying to rebuild a, fran- a franchise and an organization and you're trying to build it from the ground up like the moms are doing that's the type of guy you want on your team and that's the type of guy you want around your young prospects because that's what you, that's the mentality and work ethic that you need to have to be successful in the big league so um, a guy, a team with Corey Dickerson on it is a, is a, a young team with Corey Dickerson on it is a better team. So yeah, I got, we got to take him. Absolutely. Yeah. His 2018 season went really under the radar, but Dickerson was like on the short list of better corner outfielders in, in baseball in 2018. Not just a great yeah. hitter because he has been a consistent hitter now for most of his career, but also defensively with the pirates that year, a gold glove winner uh, someone that, uh, yeah, there are some parallels to Rojas in like more ways than one, including the fact that yeah, he doesn't have off the charts athleticism. Um, in fact, there was it wasn't that long ago when he was with Tampa Bay that they were insisting on making him a DH a lot of days. But the kind of work that he puts in to his defense and getting good reads off the ball and uh, understanding how to um, how to move efficiently with his body, that route efficiency when you're in the outfield and getting under the ball any way you can. Um, he's someone that has mastered all that to make himself a real big asset out there aside from his bat. So as long as he's healthy, I mean, he is, he's going to be a sneaky value for you guys moving forward. Uh, also though, on, on the older side a little bit. So it's all dependent on, you know, how much longer you really trust him to maintain this level of play. 
here in the mm -hmm. eighth round for me at number where are we number 16 overall i will go with another outfielder i only have one outfielder so far so my second outfielder i'm taking cameron meisner who was mm -hmm. the first round supplemental pick from the marlins in the 2019 draft right after jj bladay who was entering like 2019 he was one of the best collegiate players uh, in the country no doubt about it just extremely off the charts tools and the potential to stick in center field that's a really important thing for me at this point because you guys got monte and even blade has some potential to play center in an emergency but when you go further down there there's not all that many guys that you really trust defensively at all the outfield positions and uh, Meisner is one of them. And he's someone that fell in the draft because he had that slump in conference play in 2019. The results weren't there. The strikeouts were a little bit high. But he he kind of alleviated a lot of those concerns at, right after the draft. They sent him to low A in Clinton, and he was one of the better players immediately at that level when they put him there. Just a really well-rounded player who has a great eye at the plate in his disciplines, who – um, I wouldn't be shocked. I think there is a universe where he winds up as the best player that the Marlins got in the 2019 draft. That is somewhat of a hot take to think that he would ever surpass Bleday. Um, But I, he has those kind of tools and just needs the opportunity to adjust to the pro level. I, it did, you know, raise a little bit of a red flag to me that he wasn't in the player pool. You know, the Marlins have a 60 man player pool for this season. Even guys that they know aren't going to be playing in the big leagues they put a lot of their top prospects there and they didn't put Meisner there. So that, you know, that raised a little bit of a red flag that they weren't able to squeeze him in, but I'll be looking at that closely to see if he gets in there at some point during the season, because that is subject to change. Uh, if he puts it all together, I think he is an all-star caliber player, just a, a great outfielder that, um, that really crushes the ball. He crushes the ball. He, he plays every outfield position and, I like what I saw from him in limited action in 2019. We're now two thirds of the way through the draft. And so I'll get a little recap of the positions that we have available. So you guys got, you got your shortstop, you got your catcher, you got your starting pitcher, your relief pitcher, your designated hitter. You got all three of your outfielder. So you guys still have a first baseman, a second baseman, a third baseman, and a wild card to pick. And I still have, who do I still have? I still have one outfielder. I have, I got one more outfielder to pick and a DH and a relief pitcher and a catcher. So we are entering round nine of this draft. Four more rounds to go. All right. What do you got? Well, to be honest, you did, you kind of, uh, did us dirty at first base because uh, yeah. take Lewin that vote. It's we're just kidding, but um, <laughs> uh, I guess at first base, um, we'll go back with major league talent uh, with uh, Garrett Cooper. I know there's a lot of concerns about you know his ability to stay healthy uh, for a full major league season, but like Cooper said, a lot of those injuries that have put him on the sidelines for a while have been freak occurrences, you know, a, you know, a pitcher throwing a ball up and in that would hit his hand or, or anything like that, stuff that's kind of out of his control and not necessarily his own fault. Um, at the moment, I still I still believe in him. I think he could put I, – I think he has the ability to 
to stay healthy over the course of a major league season. He's, you know, he's got the bat that he, you know, and he could play decent first base. He could DH if he, uh, if, you know, his defense isn't up to par. And, um, yeah, no. And I think, I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's either 29 or probably like 30. Um, not sure exactly, but another guy that, you know, he seems uh, like around the clubhouse, um, puts in, uh, works hard. Another guy that I think, you know, adds to the clubhouse culture and, you know, and I think he makes the team better. So yeah, Coop at first. Favorite home run this year, courtesy of Garrett Cooper. He sends one deep to left center field. That's gone. A solo homer for Garrett Cooper, his 11th. So with my ninth round pick, I finally have to pick up a relief pitcher, and I'm going to convert a starting pitcher into a reliever. It's going to be George Guzman, someone that also has a Yankee connection, of course, acquired in the Giancarlo Stanton trade, and had it was coming off a great year in the minor leagues when the Marlins acquired him, then took a pretty big step back in 2018, his first year in the Marlins organization, and then took another step forward in 2019. He spent all last year at AA, and uh, it was such a complicated year because on one hand, he threw a ton of innings. He threw about 130 innings in the minors, which is hard to do because it's a short season and you're supposed to be really protective of people's arms. But yet he put in that really big workload at, at the double A level. And he had some hot stretches towards the end of the 2019 season where he was unhittable. And I mean that literally where he would, he pitched, I think multiple starts where he made it through six innings and he didn't allow a hit. And so there was some good luck going along with there. But more so, I think that has a lot to do with the stuff that he has, fastball that reaches into the triple digits, a great slider, and ultimately, I think he winds up in the bullpen. I mean, I think that's a pretty popular opinion at this point, just because beyond those two pitches, um, there's a lot of question marks. His control is really iffy. The changeup is really iffy. But he's if he's just able to focus on his, his strengths out of the bullpen – and he's someone that uh, is a really intimidating presence on the mound. I think he's well, he might be one of the heaviest pitchers in the entire organization. He's built thick. He's strong. He's um, And if he's just limited into the short relief role, then he's the guy that is going to be totally overpowering, even if he doesn't know exactly where the pitch is going. So I trust him. I trust his, his prospect pedigree. He's a guy that's been a top 30 Marlins prospect throughout the entire process. In fact, I mean, when they got him originally, he was when this farm system was like at its lowest point, he was one of the standout guys. There was a time where he was right there with Sandy in terms of the top pitching prospect in the entire organization. And so there've been some setbacks since then, but I, I like what he does. Well, he does really, really well. And I'm not so concerned with all the other stuff. I'm going to stick him into the bullpen. He's going to be my closer. And uh, we're just going to hope for the best. We're going to hope that he doesn't hope that he doesn't hit too many batters, that if he's able to throw it anywhere near the plate, he's going to get some good results. He's my ninth-round pick as we swing it back to you. So basically what you're saying is the Marlins won the Stanton trade. We're, we're in good shape. <laughs> we're in good shape. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you, Eli. Uh, our next pick, we're going with 
Isan Diaz at second base. You know, came in the Yelich trade. He um, minor league player of the year for the Marlins last year, uh, 2019. He uh, hit he had 25 bombs, hit over 300, um, had a good on base percentage, and he just had a really good year in AAA last year. Uh, yeah. And it hasn't necessarily translated very well into the big leagues yet, and his very short time in the in the majors. But um, I think he's going to take some strides forward. I think he's going to be able to um, learn to hit major league pitching and be able to hit the ball the other way. You know, we all I, there's no question about his power to the pull side. But now the question is whether or not he can stay back, uh, hit secondary pitches and drive them the other way because he has good power all around. And I think if once he learns how to do that, I think he's he'll be a much more complete hitter. And I and I think his defense is you know it's it's good. I, he makes he makes the routine plays and nothing. I, I just like him and I think I think he's going to be a good ball player. He was the organization's minor league player of the year. I mean, I know that the, the numbers once he got called up can really scare you away, but. You look at the larger sample size, and last year was just a huge success story for him. Even if the results yeah. weren't there in the majors, I mean, he saw against, I mean, a lot of the best prospects in the minors, he was crushing the ball. And when you get that type of power from second base, uh, that's something that Marlins have not had since, like, Dan Ugla. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's very rare to find. And he's, he's been a guy that has shown those great tools, like, almost throughout his entire pro career. So, there's there's very good reason to believe that yeah he's going to get a lot better based on where he is now in the middle of the tenth round here in the Marlins dream draft and I'm gonna go I'm gonna take a big swing here um, I'm gonna really bet on a guy that we don't know very much about I think he's the youngest guy that's been taken in this draft by far he is outfielder Victor Mesa Jr. Darn it great. <laughs> He's my third outfielder. He's he's 18 years old. 18 years old. And he he's an incredible follow on Instagram. Anybody that's on Instagram, you know about Victor Mesa Jr. He's obviously overshadowed by his brother, by Victor Victor Mesa, who got the the much larger signing bonus, who had a great track record in Cuba. We didn't know much about the younger brother. But at this point, I I think it's clear that um, if you want to, bet on one of those guys moving forward, it would definitely be the younger brother. He shows a, a beautiful swing from the left-handed side. He's still got some potential, maybe not to stick in center field, but he's going to be someone that does help you defensively in the corner spots. And with so he's so young. I mean, it's we need to emphasize again, 18 years old. There's so much that's going to change between now and when he reaches the majors. If you're being really optimistic on it, maybe he's two years away, but more likely three or four years away from actually breaking through. We know how much outfield depth has this organization has. And so overall, we've what picked out like seven outfielders in this organization, if you include Girard being one of those guys. And I think he's definitely one of the seven in this organization that I trust the long term and that I would uh, want to build around. So we'll see. Yep. There's There's a lot of risk here realistically this is always something that i like to reinforce is the percentage of prospects that don't ultimately reach their potential for whatever variety of reasons so there's a lot that can happen a lot of volatility with him there is a decent chance he doesn't reach the majors in the first place because so much can happen over those next few years but i i really like his work ethic 
I like the, the relationships he's building within the organization, both with coaches and with some of his teammates. He's a, he's doing all the little things that are right so far, and we'll just have to get a better idea of him once he's playing against higher-level competition. Yeah, no, I agree. I like Vic uh, Mesa Jr. a lot. Um, definitely a lot of concern about his older brother, whether or not he could uh, hit for power or hit for extra bases. But um, – I, I don't think that would be the same problem for his brother. I mean, like you said, a lot of volatility, but I think I think his ceiling is higher than his older brother, if anything. And um, oh, I'm just I'm just excited to see him progress through the system. Um, very excited to see him. But for our next pick, uh, for our wild card, we're gonna take Braxton Garrett. Uh, I saw, yeah, I saw him pitch in, uh, in Jupiter, and he just blew me away. That uh, he was just mowing down hitters. He just—he's gonna be good. That's all I can really say about him. He just—I really like him, and yeah. And this was Shane's pick. He—he he made a good call on this one. We, 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 we did have—we did have Mesa Junior, but you snagged that away from us for the wild card pick. <laughs> but uh, no, Braxton Garrett for sure. I, I gotta—we gotta go with him for a wild card. As far as what we have remaining, what do we have? Third base left. Third base left. Third base left. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we'll take Braxton. Gonna be down to the, the final three overall picks. You got third baseman. I'm gonna pick between a DH and a catcher. And yeah, I guess just a little note on Braxton Garrett. The well, technically he's still the reigning champion. You know, every year the Marlins are supposed to have this ping pong tournament in spring training between <laughs> every you know the major leaguers and the minor leaguers, and he won in 2019. Remember, this was fresh off of Tommy John surgery. He hadn't even pitched in any official games in like a year and a half, but he was totally up to speed uh, playing ping pong. And he played, I think he plays right-handed, even though he is a lefty, as you mentioned. He beat Coop, didn't he? He beat Coop for the championship. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he beat him pretty easily too. It wasn't like a that much of a close call. So he's, I, I really like him a lot. Yeah. Aside from obviously being a good pitcher, uh, only 22 years old. And he's got a really bright future. Former first round pick. And uh, it's been a while since they took him in the first round, but he's going to live up to that potential. I have no doubt about it. Uh, with my second-to-last pick uh, here in the 11th round, I'm going with a designated hitter. He's normally an outfielder, you know, outfielder so far in the organization, but I believe ultimately best utilized as DH, Peyton Burdict, who is the oh. third-round Marlins draft pick in 2019, who was uh, – I already picked Cameron Meisner from the same draft. Um, the only reason why uh, Burdick comes a little lower from me as a priority is just because I'm not entirely sure where he fits defensively. He is a little bit older as a guy that spent an extra year in college before he came out of Wright State. He was, last year in the minor leagues, one of the best players, period, in all of minor league baseball last year. He was a sensation. Uh, we, we had a guy out there in Clinton, Iowa, where the Marlins have their low-A affiliate that was watching him every day. And he couldn't speak highly enough of this guy. What he does offensively was unfair. It was, it was, yeah, it was really dangerous. I think it was honestly dangerous to have him facing uh, pitchers that young and that inexperienced because he may have left like some permanent damage on them with how, <laughs> how much he demoralized them. He was that good. Uh, an, an OPS around 950 playing at the low A level. And he was, that carried over to the playoffs. They made it to the playoffs that year with him leading the charge. Just 
dominated from the moment that he got into pro ball and a guy that I feel you know, the only reason that he fell to the Marlins in real life in the MLB draft is because they came from a small school. They didn't know how much weight to put into the results he had there, but that stuff translates. And uh, I'm confident in his bat. You know, I'm not totally sure about everything else, but his work ethic is incredible, uh, both in the weight room and just uh, with all the other little things he does to try to hustle on the field, the the kind of effort that he plays with really shines through. That's probably the first thing that jumped out to me when, when I saw him running down the first baseline after like a little dribbler uh, in front of the pitcher's mound and beating that out. The kind of hustle that he shows playing even in the low minor leagues where he doesn't probably think anybody is watching him. I'm one of the few guys actually watching those games and the type of effort that he showed um, even to try to contribute as an outfielder uh, as best he can. He does have a really strong throwing arm. He's someone that's going to get the absolute most out of his ability. And uh, the Marlins speak very highly of him. So he checks a lot of the boxes that you want. So much outfield depth in this organization. I don't know exactly how much playing time is going to be there for a right-handed hitter, for someone that's a little bit older relative to his experience level. But as I said, he's he's going to He's going to do everything he can to to figure it out and carve out a role. And uh, at the very least, he's going to ins- hit some really entertaining tape measure home runs. Same kind of guy that uh, Girard is, except uh, a few rounds later here in our dream draft. Entering the final round. Final round. Tough decisions here at the end, right? Yeah. Jacob, who do we got for third? Well, for, for third base. We're actually going to convert this this shortstop to play this position. We're going with twenty year old Jose Devers came along in the in the Stanton trade, and he's he's young, twenty years old, and he's playing in in high, in high A Jupiter, and, and he played in high A Jupiter. I think he's down in I think didn't he go down to Clinton? I'm not sure about where he's supposed to be at right now in the organization, but um, no, it's just this guy is really exciting. He. He can run. He he has he's a good glove at shortstop. He 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 makes good contacts, and I think I think he's a guy that will be a really good long term piece for any team. And so yeah, Jose Devers. So we go to our final pick of the Marlins stream draft. I need to finally get my catcher, and it's going to be Will Banfield, who's another young guy about the same age as Devers, a part of the Marlins player pool this year who is extremely advanced defensively, someone that was so advanced and um, had such a, a strong opportunity to go on to college and play at Vanderbilt, where so many other great like amateur players go to, that people didn't think the Marlins would be able to sign him when they drafted him, uh, what, a couple of years ago in 2018. But they put down the money that it took. They made a big investment in him long-term. And that's the thing, is he's going to be a long-term project. He's uh, He's not going to be my catcher in the major leagues for uh, the next two years might even take three years, but he's going to be there uh, eventually because the type of ability that he shows defensively in all aspects of defense, someone that threw out about 50% of attempted base dealers last year, 50% like playing at a low level of the minor leagues where the pitchers don't necessarily pay that much attention to base runners. You're kind of doing it on your own as a catcher trying to give yourself a chance to cut down the running game. But he showed so much talent with that, his blocking ability. He, he just he does so much to help you win games. And that's the stuff that's so hard to quantify. 
because I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to this. I love to quantify stuff. I like to put numbers next to things. But with him, it, it's so much that you, you actually can't do it. And in the same way, I really trust I trust him anyway to be a big contributor moving forward because that catcher position is uh, – there's so many aspects to it, and he seems to have them all mastered. Aside from everything he shows on the field defensively, uh, pitchers love to work with him. And that's something you really can't put big enough value on, that he makes pitchers comfortable – he knows how to work to their strengths, and that's why he's part of their player pool this year. Even though he's uh, very inexperienced, he's someone that they want around their best top pitching prospects. They think they'll work well together, and uh, they think that's going to be so critical into the future of the organization to have him around. And uh, when he does make contact with the ball, he hits it a long way. It's some There's some Jorge Alfaro tendencies with him at the plate, where not always swinging at the right pitches at this stage of his career, but when he does, he does huge damage. So he's, um, I can see that kind of future for him. Let's give everybody a recap of what we did here. This was a beautiful mess, but it was beautiful because these are some good players. 24 picks, 12 on each team. Jazz Chisholm, Brian Anderson, then Jorge Alfaro, Sixto Sanchez. Edward Cabrera, Lewin Diaz, J.J. Bleday, Jonathan Villar, Monte Harrison, Jesus Sanchez, Gerard Encarnacion, Max Meyer, Alex Vesia, Miguel Rojas, Corey Dickerson, Cameron Meisner, Garrett Cooper, George Guzman, Isan Diaz, Victor Mesa Jr. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I forgot to write, I forgot to write down your last two picks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to re-listen to the recording at the end. To oh Braxton Garrett was the wild card, and then it was Jose Devers at third. And Jose Devers at third base, bring him to the third base. At third. All right, so go <laughs> to go along with Caden Verdick and Will Banfield. First edition ever of this Marlins dream draft, and and we're gonna we're gonna put it up on Twitter because we already spend so much of our lives on Twitter. Why not a little bit more? We're gonna post this as a graphic, the two rosters side by side. You know, we'll see what the fans think about that. But a pleasure having both of you guys here on the pod. Pretty impressive showing. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back on again real soon. And uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to be here, Eli. Yeah. And this ran a little bit longer than, uh, than I expected. But I hope everybody appreciates the insight that we provided. I'll, I'll be sure to edit it down to the most essential little parts of it so that uh, people can get as much enjoyment as possible out of it. But moving forward with the 2020 season coming up in the next few days, and we're going to have all the coverage on Fish Stripes and just as much coverage on Fish Army. They do they do incredible stuff. I'm exhausted, guys. But thank you so much <laughs> for being here on the pod. And go Fish. Go Fish. Fantastic. Bye-bye. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. <laughs>